Welcome back, folks, to the Get a Grip on Lighting podcast. On today's show, you got Michael, Greg, and Jane, where the starving all started. We're all hungry for darkness. And you know what? The great and powerful Jane Slade came in to tell us a little bit. Her and I came in to talk a little bit about how crazy this movement is going and how quickly it seems to be going along and how thankful we are to be a part of it, actually. So enjoy this one. It's a short one, but it's a goodie. But before we get into that, Greg, we got to talk about the easy folks. K-E-Y-S-T-O-N-E-T-E-C-H.com. That's KeystoneTech.com, Greg. That's right. And they have exterior fixtures now, and they're committed to the dark sky uh, movement. They well, they, hey, no, Evan and Josh are on the, are on the, uh, the nailed dark sky vendor, vendor committee. Absolutely. So they're going to be pushing that and they have mm-hmm. excellent products, area lights, floodlights, wall packs, you know, the cutoff, everything you need. And they make it easy with the color changing on there. So you don't have to order too many SKUs to get the right ticket. And you know what, the, you know, it's, it's interesting because we, we have to continue to do work while the movement gains steam. You know, Mm -hmm. and so we're going to do that. And and you're going to see that more and more dark sky fixtures are going to become available from all nailed lighting manufacturers and hopefully others as well. But before we get there, you got to go to NILD.org, baby. That's right. If you're an electrical distributor, lighting distributor, get in this group. We're doing so much stuff, man. We really are. It's a special place to be right now in 2021. But for right now, we got Jane Slade, Michael Colligan, and Greg Eric. Get a grip on lighting. Michael, yes, you wrote this prediction for inside lighting a few months ago. I'm going to read it to you. <laughs> the general public will become aware of the real and disastrous environmental and human health consequences of light pollution, made magnitudes worse by the recent and ongoing deployment and conversion of outdoor lighting infrastructure to LED, which is largely poorly designed and mostly 4,000 to 5,000 Kelvin. The irony will not be lost when the public realizes that the vast majority of this was subsidized by their electricity bills, and done in the name of environmentalism. That's one. And Jane, you've mm-hmm. been speaking and writing about this issue for, what, five years? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And an IDA has been around since 1988. That's over 30 years. I had to do the math, right? Mm. So why does it feel to me as an average lighting distributor like the movement has just started? It's a great question. Oof. Jane? I'm trying to figure it out. <laughs> So we have a bit of a snake in the grass when we talk about light pollution as an aspect of of climate change, as in there's a lot of focus on other forms of climate change that are very alarming, global warming, the receding of the polar ice caps, uh, things that we really don't have a great form of reversal for. Um, But light is something that in the human psyche we revere. We enjoy it. It's a sign and symbol of celebration and goodness. And so it's kind of snuck up on us in a way um, through the LED movement. It, it kind of snuck up on us before we were ready to, uh, to see that light at night is a carcinogen and uh, is not just um, creating safety, but it's also creating a lot of really adverse effects. So it's it's a counterintuitive problem. I would say that's the very short answer. That it's it's not something that people think of as being a problem, and so therefore it kind of snuck up on us. And now our light levels are so high on the planet that we don't see the brightness anymore. So that's that's my answer to it. Mike, what do you think? 
Yeah, you know, it's it, it does feel like, you know, there is a lot of news about this now. Like even in the lighting industry news brief, Greg, we have a whole dark sky section now. All of a sudden there's too many stories about it recently. So Scott started a, a dark sky section to the news brief and that gets bigger every week. Um, there's, uh, you know, all of a sudden I've, we've been, I've been emailed by all manner of different associations, dark sky associations and of Pennsylvania, say, and these different places that we've come across. Um, I think what, what happened was as a lighting distributor, I remember a significant thrust for this issue between say 2005 and 2009. Um, a lot of outdoor lighting manufacturers were bringing out, I have, I have a box in my, my showroom of a CFL wall pack that says dark sky friendly, and it's a full cutoff wall pack. And it, I pulled it out. It would have been sitting back there for 15 years or whatever. And so th- what happened was I think the led came along and obliterated all the progress that had been made to that point, um, that the idea had been working on. And I think Financially, the IDA struggled at that period between, I don't know if it was the, you know, 2010-ish in that realm, they, they actually struggled for existence. And um, I think our friend Jim Benya, um, you know, really helped them out. And so, but they were, it just that that issue got obliterated by, by the launching of the LED revolution. And <clears throat> there was a lot of myths with LEDs that have subsequently turned out to be false. Um, LEDs are always good for the environment. Yeah, you, did you remember when a CFL was like a symbol of environmentalism? I don't know if you the remember spiral, that. The spiral, the curly Yeah, cube. the spiral yeah, bulb yeah. was like a symbol of environmentalism. And I mean, how many pictograms of, per lumen hour of mercury are in CFLs? I mean, CFLs are not good for the environment. Um, so the LEDs came to replace that and washed all that away. It was like the sins of the lighting <clears throat> industry had been washed away or something. And now we're going <laughs> to save all this energy and we're going to light the world. And I think if you combine that with Jevon's paradox, and then you combine that with the, the assumption that more light equals more safety. I'm not going to say that light does not equal safety in some cases. Okay, I think we do need, our, we do need light at night. But um, the assumption that just more light everywhere is better, whiter light is better, and that's all that was assumed by the industry. It was assumed by the public, Greg. And also when you combine with that, that it was so cheap in the past, you have to put like a 1500 watt metal halide wall pack on the wall. And the thing was huge and heavy <coughs> and fixture costs, you know, a lot of money. And then you'd blast that out and you're now you now that thing's costing you $3,000 a year to run or whatever. Right. So all those things together kind of created a perfect storm that, you know, set the IDA issue back. We're saving energy. We're doing good. That was assumed. And then after that, you, it was so cheap to do it. Like there's, it costs nothing energy wise to, to put up all these LED lights. So people put up more of them. And I think those things combined together over the last 10 years have caused an <laughs> exacerbation of um, an already bad problem. That's a long answer for you, but that's yeah, usually what you provide, and that's good. Um, <laughs> so, Jane, do you feel that that's accurate statement? And you've been doing at it longer. I mean, I shouldn't say longer, but you've been more proactive about it in your approach with um, the dark sky issue than Michael and I have. But do you feel that that's where it's been? That it, now it's really hitting? 
Well, certainly because LEDs are so cheap and so prevalent that that just makes it so available to put them on things. I, I remember writing a presentation for Light Fair called Wildlife as Form Giver, and I was on a, my way to, to Home Depot for a personal project, um, and my phone was on 1%, and I was trying to save that 1% so that I could photograph what I knew would be there at Home Depot, which was installations, you know, aisle, aisle anchors showing, oh, hey, buy this LED, you know, no big deal. And there it was, no big, uh, I easily found it within five minutes at the store. And it was an anchor at the aisle saying brighter light, easy install for an exterior light fixture. And, and that's the problem is that to the consumer, that sounds like a win-win. Of course, it's easy to install. It's brighter. It's so, um, uh, you know, it's merry, it's exciting. Hey, honey, we're here for a sink, but did you see this street light or this uh, this exterior light? So um, because in the business of sales, you want to sell and and in lighting, that's what we sell. We sell lighting. So it's been all too easy to just sell the idea that brighter is better to sell more lighting. Uh, and so that has really led to people having no clue. And in, in my work, I do so much education, uh, to designers, architects, landscape architects. And a lot of the time when I, when I give a presentation, people come up to me later and they say, you know, um, I used to keep the, the yard light on and now I don't because now I know. So it's, it's just not an intuitive concept that light at night is any bother to anyone or wildlife. So uh, it's something that we really do have to educate about. And I think one of the things that stood out from my side, you know, is uh, when the IES came out with the five principles of um, light to protect the night, or I don't know what they actually call five it. Five responsible uh, outdoor lighting. Yeah. Responsible outdoor lighting. There you go. April of 2020 is when that happened. So almost a year ago. And mm -hmm. to me, that to some degree, there was some starting point there. Do you Do you feel that the five, Principles, I'll rattle them off quick, are, are accurate. Is there anything we're missing? It's useful, targeted, low light levels, controlled, and color. Does that cover it all? Uh, I would say also asking, is it needed? Um, mm -hmm. So I, one thing that I always educate about is asking the who, what, why, when, and where of lighting. So who's getting the lighting? Who needs it? Why are you illuminating? For what application? Because facial modeling for exteriors is one foot candle. Surgery is 200 foot candles. So the why is extremely important. And a lot of times people just want to light up even more over their why, not realizing that that creates unintended blind spots um, and issues that can actually be become more hazardous. So um, when are you lighting? That gets into controls, which they're touching on. But I think that there's just a sense of that, you know, we can just... Uh, maybe illuminate, um, based on those principles, I, there, there's a, those are, that's a great start. And I think it's a fantastic, um, collaboration across the IDA and the IES, but I think humans on the whole really need to be asking themselves, when do we actually need the light? And, and the need aspect at night is important. And so certainly issues like lighting for sports, that's important. That's important for human morale. So that is a need. But, um, you know, I think that we get into needing things that aren't really actually a need. So we really have to be very clear that they're 
beyond human activity, if we're illuminating, that that can be very dangerous for that there is a consequence. It's an unknown consequence to the public at large, but that there is one. So if you don't need it, don't create the consequence. And Michael, from your side and my side too, oftentimes we're putting light. Why? Because it was there right now, because they have it there right now. And we don't ask any questions. We just say, yeah, you got it there. You got to put a new light in. You know, the uh, another another um, interesting part of this, and I think it'll segue nicely back to Jane with this one, is that um, how many times have you heard, well, why would we change the lights if we're not going to have more light? Like, how many times have you heard that, Greg, as a lighting, like, you know, oh, yeah. doing a lighting project, you know, inside or outside? It's like, well, why would we do that? We want more light. Well, why do you want more light? What, what's the reason? And I think what, what Starving for Darkness is doing is we've left the dark skies as a section of it, right? But what, what where, where Jane Slade has really opened my eyes and has, and when people speak to her, you can see that, that the, she opens them up to darkness as uh, something beautiful, something that one should desire, that people need and that they're actually starving for. And I don't think anyone's ever, I think that that's uniquely Jane Slade's message. And it's what, um, she, like, uh, there's a lot of talk about the sky and, and there's technical things, but there's like a, an element to what Jane brings to the program, which is deeper than that. It operates at another level that I think appeals to people. They're long, they're starving for it. They're longing for something. They don't know what it is. And Jane's telling them, well, it's darkness actually is what you need. And that's such a foreign message to people, even all religions and dogmas where, you know, Christ is the light of the world and he's the light in the darkness. And we have a lot of mythology and religion and that, that tells us that, you know, darkness is where Satan is or whatever, but that, you know, those things were useful when we had fire, but, you know, now that we have LEDs, it's, you know, it's, we've lost something and, and Jane, outlines that so well for people when she talks to them. And so, I mean, I don't know if you want to expand on that, but I think that that's what, that's where the success of starving for darkness is coming from is that it's a really broad sweeping issue, but it's also has an element of human health, but also human spirituality to it that I think is, it has, it hasn't had until, um, until, you know, I've never heard anyone else talk about it, Jane, except for you. So until Jane Slate came along. Uh, well, thank you very much. And I, I, I can't say that I invented darkness, but I do think that it is something that has been pushed out to the edges of our existence. And that as humans, we used to spend great number of hours in our daily lives in darkness, in dimness, and that that provided rest, restoration, relaxation, reflection, all handily starting with the word, with the letter R. But what I'm trying to say is that that has been removed. We don't have that. And I know personally, and I'm not innocent in the loss of darkness in my own life. You know, I, there's times when it's, there's a to-do list that's never ending where I, you know, am going from the moment I wake up to the moment I go to sleep. But if you think about what industry has been doing to the planet, they say actually that animals are starting to behave more nocturnally because they are trying to avoid the menace of humans. And so night, it's sort of like a timeshare on the planet. 
night is when humans go to sleep and animals can start to have more space, more quiet, more darkness to be able to be uh, to survive and to thrive. So um, actually nocturnality uh, was uh, an evolutionary move by some species many, many eons ago to try and capitalize on a, a time that was less competitive in the animal kingdom. Um, but that we're seeing that happen in modern day because of humanity. So uh, the earth does not need me working from uh, the moment I wake up to the moment I go to sleep. In fact, um, they've done studies and actually with, uh, I think we have seven or eight billion people on the planet, but not every single person needs to work nine to five to have humanity function. In fact, that is a, a concept that we've been sort of locked into and industry has locked itself into that, that we are always going, always, um, pushing the envelope, building more. And without darkness, without that sense of reflection, we push into ideas that don't need to be pushed into. And, and that's actually where I think that moment of reflection will make us better designers, better people to have a step back and realize that we don't have to be pursuing things for the sake of pursuit, that there's only so much time in the day and that actually we should be choosing the better projects and the better ideas but without that sense of reflection we don't have the ability to see the forest and the trees as two separate things. Nice. Now, another avenue area that, um, sorry, organization that came out well, that, can recently. I just, can I just, just comment yeah. on something that Jane said there? I think if you, just to expand a little bit on that, um, I, I think if you were to think of light as waves, okay? So, and I, I don't know if you remember, but, Greg, remember when Dr. Jennifer Veach came into the studio and we had a conversation with her and it, we kind of discovered that light is to humans as water is to fish, right? And so if we think like when we're kind of figuring out that we're like fish would, that we're in the water, you know, we're kind of figuring that out that this is actually very important to us um, uh, for tons of reasons. But if you think about it that way, bright light is like a rough sea or something. The waves are strong or something. And there's a... The darkness is like a stillness. It's like it, it, there's a, and if you were to say that that's essential for human health or for planet health or for wildlife health, that's a good way for people to kind of understand, you know, to, to imagine it as a, as something that's important is that you're actually in a way there's pressure from these lights. There, it's doing something to your psychology. It's causing you to maybe be more frantic and that you need stillness and that stillness is is increased and made more um potent by with darkness so yeah there you go <laughs> well it makes sense you guys are passionate about it that's the important part and uh, another organization i was going to bring up here now dlc recently announced that they're going to do a lighting or light usage for night application a luna advisory group it looks like they're missing a couple names on the list here of experts but what do you guys think of that Michael, you chime in, start it. Well, I've been very critical of the DLC, Greg, as you know, on the show. And mm -hmm. since we started Get a Grip on Lighting, and um, they've been very accommodating with us and very, you know, professional and have come on and answered questions. And 
and we've interviewed a lot of them. But um, I would say that that's fantastic news for the lighting industry, um, that they're adopting that. Uh, and, you know, that they're, they're, they're going to be a, they're an important part of the success of this movement. We need the DLC to be researching that and to be um, advising. They have a powerful position. They can influence buying decisions immediately, massively across whole jurisdictions. And so if they buy into this and their qualified products list starts to um, require, you know, can you imagine to imagine if they put it at 2200 Kelvin? I can't imagine they would do that. Like if they were to actually do that, and then that would be incredible, actually. If they were to to take those principles and really say, okay, here goes nothing. Because that's what it, it would be for them. Because it's in some ways adopting this is a very overt criticism of what has happened in the past with that organization. And so they need courage. They need to be convicted. Like not convicted, but have conviction. And they need to they need to really help the industry. And part of that's going to be, you know, ad, you know, admitting some mistakes, Jane. I don't know how you feel about that. Yeah, the I have friends at the DLC and it's a great organization. I, I do think that the focus on Lumens for Watt was is was trouble because I I had jokingly I remember speaking to some people at a conference said, you know, it's like a plate of food at a free buffet. And uh, even if, you know, say you fill up on that plate and you go and you get another plate, or in this case, lumens, if you're full or if it's enough light, it's still waste because it wasn't needed. And so the whole lumens per watt uh, framework is really how we got here because everyone was raising for the incentives that were tied to those lumens per watt. Uh, and it didn't matter how much light you needed. And so that that was a real problem in terms of design in the industry. Uh, and I think that there is an effort to kind of redirect here, which is amazing. Um, and I think that there's something that we can do for ourselves, which is that we're all in the lighting industry, all three of us, many people listening. And there's been a lot of decisions that have been bad for the environment that we've all taken part in. And if we spend time focusing on that, those bad mistakes, then we're never going to start the education of really moving forward in the right direction. And so I applaud any organization that wants to take a leadership role in bringing the night back to the planet. So by creating, I don't know anything about the Luna program with the DLC. I'm interested in hearing more. I am excited to know that they are taking on this initiative. And so I think that's, that's a great first step. I just would say that um, on that comment and uh, to add to that list, and this is sort of, uh, I've been told I'm crazy to, to, um, to, to, to make this uh, because light cannot possibly fall in the definition of waste. So waste as a definition has to be either solid or a liquid. It can't be light. But I would like to see some people in you know more powerful positions than the three of us contact the EPA and start having discussions about you know wasted light at night is hazardous waste. 
And that would mean the changing of the definitions of what is waste and what isn't waste. But it certainly conceptually meets those criteria. And so that would be extremely powerful if the, it would take time, but if the EPA were to begin negotiations with the IDA and the IES about how really to understand that. And I think that's another organization, a government organization that could make a huge impact with a regulation on that. Um, and then Jane and I would continue and other people, other wonderful people would continue their work at the grassroots and with consumers and with distributors. And you would see this movement really take off. All right. So I, yeah. Okay. So I guess that's it. All right, Greggy. Well, um, thank you folks for listening and, and catch up with us again. Jane, any final thoughts for the audience? I would just invite everyone to turn out the lights in their home and start there uh, at night when they're not needed or not, not in use and tell a friend, tell a friend about the movement. The more people that know, the better. And uh, if you can have a conversation five minutes over the dinner table uh, and convert someone, that's all we need. It's very simple. We just need to turn the lights out. Type starving for darkness into any podcast feeder or, you know, I, Apple podcast, Google podcast, type it into the internet. Um, the website should be up soon, folks. We, I mean, it feels like we've been doing this for a heck of a lot longer than since November, Greg. So a lot of content out there already. Yeah. More to come. Bye for now, folks. Keystone Technologies. Go to K-E-Y-S-T-O-N-E-T-E-C-H dot com. That's light made easy, Greg. That's right. You know about them for their interior fixtures, but check them out for their exterior. They're coming out with everything you need. Wall packs, area lights. They have full cutoff wall packs on this topic we discussed today. That is dark sky friendly performing. So be ready for those. Check out all their exterior line. Yeah, you got to go to keystonetech.com. Easy folks. That's K-E-Y-S-T-O-N-E-T-E-C-H dot com. Get after it, brother. And of course, the National Association of Innovative Lighting Distributors. That's NALD.org. Get associated. Get, join us. You know what to do. Check out the Lighting Industry News Brief. Check out the Late Dead Online Video. We're producing so many things. It's just so great. And I really appreciate all you listeners out there that made it to the end. And of course, the wonderful Jane Slade. Superwoman. Wonder Woman. That's right on the Get a Grip on Lighting podcast. Thanks, Jane. Thanks for listening.